ready or not, here I come. Hi, welcome to Care to Listen. Care to Listen is a series of podcasts made by care experienced children and young people in the UK. We are travelling across the UK talking to care leavers, experts and activists in the field of childcare who are fighting for better services, rights, equality and understanding. So we're in Salisbury interviewing Paul McConnell the CEO of Five Rivers who is celebrating her 30th anniversary. Yeah. Oh my god, that was very long. I know. <laughs> it's lovely to meet you. As a CEO, what is your job role? Well, this is a really interesting one. It seems to be do everything that no one else has done. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, including cleaning the loose, but oh. <laughs> I don't have to do that too much these lucky. days, which is nice. Um, but right at the start, it was doing everything. Um, and it, I think the leadership is part of it. So how do we want to be seen by the outside world? Because being credible on behalf of the children is really important. Um, for a lot of the children that we look after, um, there's not many people that speak out for them. So we've got to be very professional. We've got to be knowledgeable. And I like to think that I take a lead in making sure we do that. So you said you was something to do with social services mm. so what was your journey up to where you are right now okay so I did my professional training but still specialized in working with children and young people and then eventually became someone that was an expert witness in the courts and as part of that my my kind of real turning point was I had two girls who had been each of them separately um, abused and I was then writing a report recommending that they needed to be protected by coming into care. Then a year later I was asked to write another report to the court because both of those girls had been abused in care and I was very shocked and very concerned that if I was sort of saying to children you'll be safe here in care then I wanted to make sure that care was safe. So I decided that if I was going to stay in that kind of line of work that I would have to make sure that the service children got was better so I decided that I would actually start up the residential home that was Avon House first of all um, and that was the start of Five Rivers Childcare. So, um, What was your childhood like? Oh um, <laughs> that's an interesting one. My childhood was um, my parents were both Scottish, right. very strict and um, we didn't have a lot of money but we I mean we weren't poor but we didn't have a lot of money um, so I had to earn my pocket money I had to you know earn my money to go on holiday and so on and so forth so um, but I think they're being strict and teaching me that no one owed you anything in life just because you were there it didn't mean that you were entitled to something you had to earn it um, and that's earning respect earning trust um, earning the right to have a good job or a good education. Um, I think it's made me quite tough um, and I think that's actually been helpful. Um, I've heard that you was um, a foster carer as well. Mm. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I'm very proud to have been a foster carer <laughs> and um, so when I decided I was going to do something after the two girls, um, I decided I would try and raise money to be able to set up my first children's home and the 
the process was very long and it was very hard because I was only, you know, me earning money and by that time I had two young children myself. So I ran a bed and breakfast, I continued doing work in the courts, I also did other work as well, ran different projects and things and um, still I wasn't getting very far very fast and uh, so I decided that one of the ways that I could still offer children that needed looking after something better might be to offer to be a foster carer. So I got myself registered, trained and registered as a foster carer um, and was approved but eventually I managed to get um, through the help of some neighbours actually they helped to actually get my first children's home off the ground oh. and um, basically they helped lend me some money as well so but six months in wait, waiting for our first child to come we still hadn't had one single child and I was paying for my staff team and everything and I said to them look have the weekend off and we'll regroup on Monday and stuff no sooner had they all disappeared I got a phone call saying would you look after oh. these three children as an emergency just for the weekend I thought oh my goodness I've just sent all the staff team off but if they were willing to because I was a registered foster carer and it was an emergency so it was very short term I thought well I could do that so I offered that and they came to stay with me so and that's how I actually ended up fostering and they stayed with me permanently in the end and grew up and they're still part of the family. Oh, so you're still a foster carer then? Well, no, not technically, because once they got to the age of 18, right. I didn't re-register. But um, So that that was a massive thing, because they, they were with me then for oh, 15 years plus, then if you take it beyond adult time, then it was even longer. But um, after they'd come to stay, um, the children's home then did start. But we did also have other foster children as well. So at one point... I had um, two sibling groups of three, and then I also had my own two children. So it was a very busy, hectic household, but great fun. Callum really talked about the stigma and stereotypes that society places on children in care. What do you think Five Rivers does to combat this? I think we work hard to give children a voice. So we have support groups that run for children that are fostered and children who are part of the fostering family. And I think that's important that everyone has that opportunity to talk about what's important to them, whether it's about getting into difficulties or the positive things about, well, where are the opportunities? I don't know if you know that Five Rivers also asks our suppliers to undertake that if a child in care asks to have a work experience with them, that they try and accommodate that, but to make it interesting. So if someone came in, say, to here as a work experience, not just to say, well, will you make the tea? Could you open the post? Could you do the photocopying? But to actually give them meaningful projects that help them develop something in themselves as well as to be helpful at work. Um, and our suppliers have really enjoyed being asked that and they've been very keen to help where they can. But it's given us the chance to say, um, if you saw an application that came from a child who'd been in the care system, they may have gaps in their education, which might mean they've missed really important exams. But if you actually look at the life skills that they've got, that will probably give you something much more important because a lot of employers will talk about young people especially. They're a bit unreliable sometimes. They may not come in on time. Um, they may not show up at all. They may not communicate. So if we can show that our children understand the importance of those things and actually show themselves to be good adults or adults in the making, 
that is fantastic so that I hope we can actually get our young people in front of much more exciting jobs than the ones that otherwise you know may send something in and they're just discarded because they haven't got the right qualifications or the right exams so we've done a lot of work on that um, I think all the participation in Youth Council not only is that a good experience for interviewing having to articulate questions looking at a political arena and a so social and societal arena so I think it's really educating people to see a wider picture that is invaluable and I've seen some of our young people go on to become adults who are really passionate advocates for other people who are less able. Um, how do you support children and young people after they leave care to go to college or university? Well we do um, we were doing a specific program with the Care Leavers Foundation so we were actually making donations to them and then they offered help and support if any of our own young people are going on, a lot of that is actually delivered in terms of help through the foster carer and the social worker, making sure that they know how to access the right funds, uh, making sure that they've got all the things they need to actually set off and, you know, it's not books, I'm going to say books, but, you know, all the equipment that they might need to go mm. to university. Um, but we are actually talking this year, again, as part of the 30th anniversary of setting up a special mentoring scheme so that if any young person that has been in our care or is in our care but leaving care wants a mentor to be appointed so they would be someone that would actually help signpost and would be available to them on the end of a phone or on Skype or FaceTime to actually say look I've got a bit stuck with this and I don't know really where to go and we thought because obviously we've been going 30 years and we don't know how many people might make contact with us we thought we'd limit it initially to phone call and Skype but it doesn't mean that it'll always be limited in the future. But yeah. we thought that was a really good place to start. But is there something that you've come across that you think we need to do more about in terms of helping children, young people as they are then going on to university or college? To be honest, with me, when I came into foster care, before I was into foster care, it's two different people. Mm -hmm. So you as a CEO changed my life a lot so I'm thankful as it is so I don't think anything else I mean if you have any other ideas and that's that's I'm more than happy to listen to that and that's great but I think you everyone's doing a pretty great job I mean I'm in education going work I have my passport done I have Yay. everything done that I needed that I haven't with my actual family so no um, withdrawing support at age 18 or 21, what do you think of this? Dreadful. Oh, why? Uh, well, because I think I think the society that we live in, so I, I was actually someone that left home at 16. Oh. And, you know, so again, going back to strict parents. Um, so it's not because I don't think young people are capable. I think they're definitely capable of you know, looking after themselves and you know, knowing right from wrong and you know, all of those things. But I think all of us suffer if we aren't feeling supported. And I think at a time, really, I'd say between 16 and probably 28, our, our sense of self is still very fluid. If we are having any setbacks, like if we have any problems getting into university or getting the job that we want, I think very quickly, because we're expected to be grown up and we don't have the support structures there, we can find that a really tough time. And I think we're seeing more and more people talk about loneliness. And I think for a while people thought that that was loneliness in older people. And it's not. It's loneliness in young people. So one of the challenges I've always set our teams and our foster carers 
is if your young person has then become an adult and they're in their flat or their bedsit or wherever, how will they spend their time on a Saturday when they've got no money? How will they spend mm. their time on a rainy Tuesday afternoon if they haven't got to go to work that day? And what I want to know is that those young people, those young adults, are actually emotionally and internally resourced which means that they've got to have good hobbies, they've got to have good connections, they've got to have that ambition, they've got to have, how do I cope on a bad day? And it, and it needs to be taught. You know, we don't just figure it out. I mean, some people do figure it out, to be fair, but I think we need to be taught it. And I think when we look back at the things that help us the most, they're probably things that other people have helped us with. So I think that being supported is really, really important and a lot longer than just 21 even, I think. If there's a way of being supported beyond that, I think we will benefit. Callum talked about the rights for children to be loved. Do mm. you think your organisation, as their corporate parent, can give children and young people living in their care system an experience of love? I really, really hope so. So, there's two things I would say. Corporate parent, um, because that's kind of, if you like, the almost legal requirements. I think it's difficult to legislate for love. You know, you can't turn around to anyone and say, you must love that person. Mm. We know it's much more complicated. But what I want to do is make sure that the way we run things doesn't mean that we stand in the way of love and being loved, because I think that's really important. So quite a long time back, when everyone in government was getting very twitchy about what kind of hugging were you allowed to do with children, we actually did a lot of work, loudly, about saying you're trying to turn looking after children into something that's almost like in a laboratory where you've put your gloves on and you're behind a big screen and you're trying to do a kind of an official hug as though that was actually something that would mean anything. And on a biological level, it might, you know, that we know from the experiments that have been done with animals and about thriving, that some touch is necessary, otherwise they don't thrive, but also, if they get some touch, it's better than no touch. So you're talking about degrees of worseness, really. So for me, I thought, well, we, we already know, it's already been proven that children need to feel that kind of emotional connection. They need that contact. It's so well delivered through hugs. Um, and if you try and avoid the hugs, then you're actually depriving those children. So I'm a great believer in hugs, affection, and all of those things, I think, build to love. And I think you'll find that an awful lot of children won't ever talk in terms of loving because they still can't trust the people around them. But they will experience it. And I think that's what we've got to hope for, is that at least they experience love, even if they can't reciprocate. What do you think the biggest challenges that care experienced young people face today? Oh, um... Right, well, I, I think, again, if I think of that as about being launched into the adult world, mm -hmm. I think it's that bit about have they got the reference points that they can rely on behind them? So I would want to think that, you know, there's that real sense of a pillar of support behind them with Five Rivers, and I, I would want that for every child and every child in the looked-after system. But I think that's not there as much as it needs to be, and I think there's still negative judgments made about children that have been in care, it's almost as though you'll get some people who will say, well, a, a large 60% of a population in prison are, are, have been in care. 
as though that's almost saying that shows that there must be bad people when of course it doesn't show that at all um, so I would like to sort of have people better educated about you know what it means what the care journey means and what children and young adults need if you had the magic wand mm -hmm. what would be your one wish Ooh. Only <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, um, do you mean about Any. in the kind of like in the the organisation, or do you mean in terms of four children in care? Both. Okay. Um, for children in care, the thing that I would wish most would be that they had stability of people around them that they could really rely on the people there and that the people that they had to rely on could be authentic in terms of, yes, warm and loving, but also when things aren't going well, that they actually are frank with them and truthful with them and say, you know, this is really not going to help and we need to find another way of doing this. Or um, when you said that, that really hurt my feelings. So that authenticity that comes from genuine relationship. So it's, it's not enough just to kind of go nurture, 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 and then hope they'll kind of figure out the rest. You know, we all grow by some of the things we don't like as much as the things we do like, but it's about making sure it's manageable, and it's much more manageable if you've got people consistently around you. I feel really sad that so many children that we're looking after have so many social workers changing. You know, how on earth, oh, <laughs> how yeah. on earth, you know, can you cope if you've never got the same person to tell the same story to you? Yeah. Especially when you build that relationship between them too. Yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes the social workers don't realise how important they are oh, on the other side as well. But So that would be, you know, consistent people around, I think would be my big wish in the organisation. And for children in care, I think, um, for me, it would be a different type of passport. It would be that if you had this thing that said, you know, this is something about me, um, it would be that extra bit of tolerance and concern and compassion, you know, just so, so not feeling sorry for, but just giving that kind of the benefit of the doubt, giving another chance, giving a bit of extra help when it's needed, instead of perhaps turning the other way and going, mm, you know, your child in care, so I'm not going to yeah. bother. So it would be just to try and shift the dial that way to being more caring and compassionate out there. Well, it was really lovely to meet you and, you and thank you so much for answering all my questions. Thank you for listening to the Five Rivers Curtilism podcast. This podcast has been produced by the members of a democratic group, representing the views of people from Five Rivers Child Care Limited. Music by Rick Flow, track, hide and seek, courtesy of Rick